You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are on Wake Up Tucson. Remember, if you miss anything, you want to stream it, kvoi.com, or do it on the old TuneIn app. Tell them you want to listen to 1030 KVOI and tell that little box on your desk and something might magically happen. So let's go right to the phones. The last time I saw this gentleman, I think we're in the dusty confines of the Tanaha Training Center in Green Valley with Mr. Pence, and that's uh, Governor Doug Ducey. Doug, a couple of things happened since the last time I saw you. How are you? Real good, real good. How are you, Chris? We're doing okay, sir. We're doing okay. Um, let's talk real quick. Uh, lots of stuff to catch up on. Um, you know, you, you have had um, a lot of hard decisions to make uh, since the beginning of March. I was wondering about the kind of the evolution of the decision-making process from March through now. What, what have you learned in dealing with this whole situation? Well, we know so much more today than we did a, a year ago today, and I think the the fact that we trusted people, that we've let our public health experts make certain they've got the resources so they can take care of Arizonans if they do contract this disease, but that we also, in addition to protecting lives, we protected livelihoods, let our economy breathe. I mean, it's amazing to me that we're navigating through this pandemic. Arizona remains a top five economy in the nation, top five in terms of personal income growth. We're at 97 percent of our maximum employment rate, and now we're getting the vaccination out in mass centers. I want to thank Bobby Robbins and the University of Arizona for what they're doing in Tucson, Michael Bidwell and State Farm Stadium and the Arizona Cardinals up in Maricopa County. We're one of the top five states in the country for getting the vaccine out, and there's blue sky ahead, but we shouldn't let our guard down just yet. What it came to a point where after the first kind of major lockdown that you uh, opened up uh, uh, partially again in May, and even as the number hey, hey Chris, we never had a lockdown here. Okay, we had to, we had to stay home, stay healthy, stay connected advisory. So don't confuse our state with other states. Well, you know, it was the idea that we had businesses that were considered non-essential that were that were forced to close their doors. So however you want to describe that. We followed the White House guidance for the 30 days to slow the spread, and that did continue for 15 more days. But from that time forward, after we got through what you would call the, the fog of the original pandemic, I would say in, in terms of being open and operating while protecting public health is something that Arizona has done a very good job with. I was going to ask you, when did, come, when did it hit you that you knew you were never going to get to a point of doing a lockdown like these other states? Because Well, it's, it's a good question. Because there's a lot of pressure I, I, on you. There, there was a lot of pressure, but you, I tried to, to not listen to the, to the press or to the pundits. I really tried to listen to the, to the experts. And, you know, as, as governor, your, your job is to make decisions. So you, you don't have the experts on top. You have them on tap. So you can listen to them. But you also have to balance things. I mean, COVID-19 and the pandemic has been the number one priority for the last year, but it wasn't the only issue in public health. And I addressed 
some of that during the State of the State, talking about social isolation, uh, depression, addiction, abuse, suicide. So these are all things, it's why we had a light touch is to protect our health care system so that it could care for individuals that were sick, but also to, to make certain that we avoided or minimized to the best of our ability all these other maladies that come with something like COVID-19. When the decision to uh, stop elective surgeries came down and then you opened it back up later, um, was that something that maybe uh, even the health profession regrets stopping uh, elective surgeries during that time? It'd be a good question for them. I would say we erred on the side of caution. In, in February, March, and April. And then as we knew more, as we had the facts and saw how we could how we could operate while protecting people, and part of the measurement is, you know, you can't stop a virus. It's contagious. Correct. It continues to spread. Now it's a modern medical miracle that we have this vaccine available. But what we always wanted to focus on was public education. I don't think there's anybody in the state that doesn't know about the virus, doesn't know about wearing a mask and uh, having six feet of distance, all those things that are the real fundamentals. But then you have to make certain that you can care for people. And it was at the request of the healthcare CEOs, the doctors and the nurses that we postponed elective surgeries because it immediately opens up hospital capacity. And I don't know if you go to the azhealth.gov website, I've probably been more on it more in the, in the last year than any other individual. But our hospitals are really good at what they do. They're very efficient as well. When there is no pandemic, they operate at about 85% capacity. During the pandemic, they operated at about 85% capacity, but with a lot of COVID patients in hospital beds and ICUs. And now with hospital capacity opening up, we have more patients inside the hospital that do not have COVID, but they're still at about 85% capacity. What we never wanted was for them to hit the overflow where we had to go to some of the surge sites like like St. Luke's and the convention center. And that never happened. And that's a, a tribute, I would say, to the good common sense of the people of Arizona, and as well as the, the advice and counsel that I was rece- receiving to make targeted decisions. You know, and then the trade-off of that is with those that deferred health care, right? The amount of other negative health uh, results that happen for people, people having heart attacks because they didn't go to the hospital or different things like that. That, that that's, that's the balance I'm looking for, and that's why it's such a tough, these are tough decisions to make, not easy. And that's why you have to listen to the folks that are running the hospitals on this and also make sure you have your definition of elective surgery uh, accurate because we shouldn't be missing people that are going to have heart surgery. That's not elective. Okay, so those weren't the people that that were delayed. And um, I'm talking about I'm not talking about heart surgery. I'm talking about people who have heart conditions or things like that who weren't getting treatment for that, who then led to a bad result like having a heart attack or things like that, Doug. So. Well, yeah, I want to make sure that we're differentiating what happens in a doctor's appointment and what happens in a hospital. The average person that's listening to us or listens to the news doesn't know really the definition of an elective surgery. And so they just think if I have a problem, I shouldn't go unless I'm actually like dying. And that's the, I think that was part of that. That was part of the problem. Our, our doctor's offices remained open and so did our emergency rooms. 
Let's talk about schools um, because it's something that you and I uh, definitely agree in that we got to get the kids back in school. You made a decision late summer, I think, that you were going to leave it to the school districts and some of the local municipalities to make certain decisions on how they wanted to do their uh, run their bus- run their municipalities, whether it's mask mandates or schools. Um, is there an opportunity maybe for you to use your emergency uh, executive power to say? You know, we need to get. The, I know you. I know you're saying it strongly. You want the kids back in school, but can you? And are you willing to order the kids back in school in person? Well, we we do want kids back in school. We are opening schools back up. We do have a, about thirty percent of our our parents right now that do not want their kids back in school. So we're going to offer, of course, online learning. We prioritize teachers for vaccinations. Uh, if you look at the way we've structured the the state budget, we've got the incentives for these schools to open. We do believe in in local control, but I want to see the schools open, and that's what we're prioritizing. So, you know, we're going to have another pretty much a lost year for a lot of our school kids. Last year was kind of the last, they lost the last part of their last year before that. And I guess my thing is, Governor, is that as we move through a year and these kids don't go to school during the summer, what are we really dealing with when we get to next August again for a next school year? Well, we have to catch these kids up. They have fallen behind. Distance learning has not been good for education. It's been especially difficult on our low-income kids. These, uh, This is where the achievement cap existed before the pandemic, and many of these families don't have Wi-Fi or access to a computer or multiple screens if they have multiple children. So we're investing in summer school, acceleration academies, one-on-one instruction, tutoring, really across the board what it takes to catch kids up. We know what grade level is for math, reading, and science. Parents are going to have the facts on where their kids are, and teachers are going to have the task of getting kids caught up. The, um, you know, one of the things that really bothers me, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm on the charter, uh, charter school board for Lehman Academy down here, and we sent the kids back to school in August. And yes, there were, you know, some flare ups of kids who came in and, you know, but we didn't have anyone going to the hospital or teachers getting hurt from all of this. Why was not from you, but why was it in Arizona from all these school districts and in the media? And that's a whole other story. We could have a whole show about the media is why was that all that knowledge kind of ignored by some of these school people out there that we have kids going back to private school and we didn't see that problem? Why was why Chris, was it? Chris? It's it's frustrating. Uh, our, our 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 charters, by and large, are all open. Our private schools, our Catholic schools, are all all open. Many of our public districts are all open. And you don't have to take this for, from me. Take it from the Centers for Disease Control. Whether you want to listen to the Trump administration or the Biden administration, across the board, the safest place for kids to be, according to the doctors and the subject matter experts, is inside a school. So let's get schools open. And that question of why they're not opening is more of a question that parents should be asking local districts, and they should be demanding that the school opens, or they should be voting with their feet and applying at your charter school. So I know there's a lot of people happy that there's a 24-7 vac site in Tucson now. 
And it's always interesting that the local county and some of the city council people here were worried that somehow if you guys open up a 24-7 vac site at the U of A, somehow you were stealing their vaccinations for underappreciated populations. What, 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 do you, what did you get from all of that when, when you saw some of that, that, that rhetoric coming out of Tucson and Pima County? Well, we stay away from the turf wars. What we want to do is get vaccines in people's arms. That's all we're concerned with. We want to be a a partner and a, a force multiplier on this. We have the ability to open up the larger sites. And we don't want vaccines sitting inside of a freezer. I don't think most folks want to even spend the time to understand whether it's city government, county government, or state government that's getting it done. They want to just see good government. And that's what's happening in Arizona. I mean, this is a race. Uh, there's a there's a co- competition. It's collegial among states. But governors get on a conference call and really share best practices. And I didn't think something like a 24-7 mass vaccination site at Cardinal Stadium was that innovative, but we were the first in the nation to do it. Now other states are following suit. We're replicating it in Tucson. We're replicating it in uh, Chandler Gilbert. We're replicating it in Phoenix Muni. We we can do another in Pima County if if necessary, but this is a a best practice, and it, it shouldn't be a turf battle. It just should just should be focused on the objective of getting the vaccine to the coalition of the willing. We want everyone that wants a vaccine to be able to get a vaccine. If you want to protect your family, if you want to bring good jobs back and you want to get every kid inside a classroom, go get a vaccine. Stuck in a Schweikert last hour, you gave your office uh, some credit, good credit for uh, trying to the uh, that we're now opening up vac sites and CVSs, and I think the more you do uh, that uh, in those CVSs or WalMarts, the better it is for everybody. I, I agree, and I'm glad that that Congressman Schweikert pointed that out. That's going to be especially important in many of our minority communities. It's going to be important in our rural communities. And we just want to have this as available as possible. I mean, it's safe, it's effective, and it's free. I can't offer you a better deal than that, Chris. So how does Doug Ducey stay sane during all this? What's, 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 what, 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 what's, what's the sanity moments for Doug? You know, because you got tough decisions. You do your press conferences when everyone's like, oh, God, what's Doug going to say? You have Howie Fisher yelling at you. What at, at press conferences? What does Doug do to stay sane during all this? Well, I think part of it is just focus on the task at hand. I mean, as much as I wish this would have never happened, the fact that I was getting up every day, going to work, challenged with the decisions in in front of me was a way to compartmentalize this. I really felt for the people that were stuck at home, that had to do remote learning. Of course, I I talked about my grandmother. I stopped talking about her because I didn't like the things that were being said on social media. But, you know, she she, (laughs) she, she was... Talk about your grandmother, for God's sakes. Yeah, I know. I know. But she was isolated. I mean, I couldn't go see her. My mom couldn't go see her. Uh, Thankfully, that's all fixed now. She's vaccinated and my mom is vaccinated. So I was more focused on how do I how do I fix these issues? How do I make the right decisions here? And the only time a solution presented itself was when the vaccine was available. Up until that time, it was all about making the best possible, most responsible decision that I knew that 50% of the people at least were not going to like. 
Yeah, you can't catch any break on social media. Oh. As we, I, I, I point out on the show, Doug, you guys could put Happy Navajo Code Talkers Day, and half of them are like, uh, you suck, Ducey, and you're like, oh my God, we're just trying to celebrate Code Talkers Day. <laughs> well, I tell my family and my staff, you just can't read the comments. You are? You can't read the comments. Uh, and it, it is a, a shame because it's a, it's a wonderful way to communicate and, and get a message out. And you, you kind of wonder, are these bots or are these real people that spend all day uh, that, that do this? But it's, it's not important. It's, it's really what I think, if you, if you look at the feed, we're going to give you the data, the facts, the information that we have as we have it, whether it's in front of the press or on social media. All right. Doug, I appreciate the time. Let's do it again soon. And uh, good luck and God bless and keep doing what you think is the right thing. Thanks, Chris. God bless. Be safe. I look forward to seeing you down in Tucson next time I'm there. Sounds good, sir. Have a good day. Okay. Have a good one.